Welcome to The Rep. This is Julie Cortez. On June 25, 2019, I chatted with Rosa Josie, Kate Wisniewski, and Betsy Schwartz about Bring Down the House, Shakespeare's Henry VI trilogy performed in two parts. The three women, all of whom were in their home base of Seattle during our discussion, are the co-founders of Upstart Crow Collective, which originally conceived and devised Bring Down the House. Josie will direct the two-play event at OSF in 2020. Welcome, Rosa, Kate, and Betsy. Hi. 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 Can you give us a, just a very quick run down the basics of what Henry VI are about, the Henry VI plays are about for any of our listeners who might not be fully versed in it? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes. So it, the Henry VI plays begin with the death of Henry V, and France is being locked. Uh, Henry the fifth united, you know, he, he uh, conquered France for England, and now um, he has died. His infant babe of a son is on the throne. Um, and so it begins with the world in political chaos and with people grasping for that throne because you've got a young you've got a young monarch, right, who has a Lord Protector called Humphrey. Um, and so everyone is trying to jockey for power and get closer to the throne. Um, in the m- middle of this, um, a feud begins between the Yorks and the Lancasters. The, um, uh, and in the play, you don't really, it's not really explained. We just know that uh, there's some disagreement and then they decide um, Somerset, who is with the Lancasters, says, well, if you agree with me, you should pick a red rose to show that you you agree with me. And York says, well, if you agree with me, you should pick a white rose. So then people start picking roses, and a feud sets in, and it deepens in animosity. So that's going on in England. Meanwhile, France is being lost, um, and in the midst of that, a young princess is captured by an English lord and brought back to England, and her name is Margaret. And she is married to Henry, um, and Margaret uh, starts to see, what is happening here? I'm married to this man-boy, and this is not what I thought my life would be, and starts um, taking on a role that she's not supposed to take on in this world, and assuming a kind of power. And this threatens everybody even more. In the midst of this, another Lord York discovers that he actually has a, a, um, a right to the throne, perhaps. A, 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 what's that called? Claim. Claim um, through his through his lineage. That's the word I was looking for. Through lineage, um, and so he starts secretly plotting for the throne. Um, and this all happens in our in, in parts one and two of um, the Henry VI trilogy, and it happens mostly in our part one. Um, York is sent packing off to Ireland because so to to um, take care of him as a threat. But what he ends up doing in Ireland is raising an army and coming back to challenge Henry VI for the throne. And that sets off our part two, which really becomes the epic battle of War of the Roses, where factionalism really sets in 
and this whole, it's a story. So that I'm giving you a lot of thought, right? But it's really a story about deep factionalization within a country, personal um, ambitions of people in power driving political decisions that affect um, ordinary people. It's about families in conflict also because all these people are related to each other. So it's about a dynastic struggle for power. It really is Game of Thrones, as which many of um, your listeners will know was based on the War of the Roses, was influenced by the War of the Roses. So that is something that we really leaned into in our adaptation. It's really the um, the dynamism and the uh, drama of that story. So why did you decide to adapt this into these three plays into two plays, and how did you go about doing that? Well, it, the idea came from Kate originally. Um, do you want to talk about that? I was in a production of Richard II, which, of course, your listeners will know, is the beginning of this whole epic cycle of Shakespeare's history plays. And Rosa was directing, and I was playing the two duchesses, the Duchess of Gloucester and Duchess of York. And so... As a woman in a history play that was more traditionally cast with mostly male actors, one other woman was in the in the production with me. I was spending a lot of time backstage, and um, I started looking at the Henry VI plays again um, because I thought well, these might be sort of interesting for Upstart Crow to consider. And uh, started I had lots of time, so I was reading the plays and uh, came to Rosa and said, "I think I think we can do a really." Slim down version of of these plays and um, produce it as an upstart crow production. I think it's a great uh, vehicle for the actors that we have in the community, and it also is something that continues our interest in these political stories and putting female and non-binary actors in these powerful roles that are traditionally played by men. So Rosa was on board with that, and we gave ourselves a pretty tight deadline for coming up with the first draft, and we would go off separately and work on a chunk of it and then come together, and most of the time, I would say like 80% of the time, we were, we were on, so we were each doing our own little cutting, and then we would come together, and, and most of it was, we were on the same page. So we just kept working that way until we had something that we felt we could bring a group of actors together to do a first reading of. And we were really influenced also, you know, there are these great adaptations of these plays by people like John Barton, who did, you know, the most famous one, The War of the Roses, and then Edward Hall with his group Propeller did a version called Rose Rage. So we knew that there was this sort of tradition of taking these plays and making uh, and doing them in in um, a condensed form because we also felt like as a small company we wouldn't be able to do the whole thing. Um, but it luckily through being uh, when I say we wouldn't be able to do the whole thing that we were initially just trying to do it in one night, right. you know, but it was because we were able to partner with Seattle Shakespeare Company and they said, what if we did this in rotating ref at two, uh, in two parts? And I just remember thinking, well, that's my dream, but I just never thought that anyone would produce that. 
So uh, we really are grateful to uh, to Seattle Shakespeare Company for having the vision to uh, support that idea. Um, so it it really is uh, taking it and doing it in in two parts really makes it an event. Also, it really makes it. Um, it feels like you're going to see something that is an experience um, and not see something that is necessarily just, well, I have to see these plays in this order. Uh, you know, we're interested in creating work, making the classics feel contemporary and new for an audience. And I say that, um, I need to preface that, that we're all classic lovers, right? Like we, we love text. We're driven by text. All of the language in these plays and in our adaptation is Shakespeare's original text. So the reason we got into this is because we love classical text. Um, but we really do want to make these plays feel relevant to a contemporary audience. So that was part of the drive of like, how can we make this? a dynamic experience for a contemporary audience that might think of the word history play and think, oh, my gosh, history, that sounds boring. There are anything but these plays. So um, that was part of the impetus also. Well, and the last time OSF did the Henry VI plays, it was in two parts as well, and it would be very difficult for us to schedule three, three diff different parts in one season. And this way, with our model, especially with so many people visiting from out of town, not only can you experience this full story in one season, you can experience it in one visit, in theory, which is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And we do this sometimes. We did both parts in one day. So you can, you know, that was exciting for the audience to have this marathon where you live in this story for one whole day. Okay. Now, um, Rosa, and I know... Kate and, and Betsy may be a little bit uh, familiar with this as well. You know, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle um, around the term adaptation when we announced the season and an argument about whether or not this is really Shakespeare. Can you can you speak to that, to how adaptation and Shakespeare go together in your mind? Well, it's interesting because it's, it's a, a little bit of, uh, about um, semantics, right, and the word adaptation because um, – uh, I think that any time that I'm creating, uh, uh, that I'm working on a Shakespeare play, it is an adaptation of sorts, right? I'm not doing the whole play. I'm cutting it and shaping it for the story that I'm focusing on, for the themes, for the characters and relationships that I'm focusing on in that production. And especially with the history plays oh, and with other plays also, but especially with the histories, I, I will take characters and conflate them. I know I did that in Henry V, right? Like I, I took some certain characters and conflate those French lords. There were a lot of them. Um, but I, I'm streamlining the story to help contemporary audience follow the story because uh, the name, you know, I also am really aware that the names are where people get lost. All those lords and all those names. How can we make these characters that you want to follow, that you care about? Right. Um, and so part of that is, is what I'm thinking about when I'm shaping, uh, especially a history play. So in terms of thinking of it as an adaptation, I think I'm always adapting. Right. And when I'm directing Shakespeare, 
um, but not in the way that you might think of in the contemporary sense of the word, like an adaptation, right? Um, so I think we, we can get hung up on the semantics of it, but the truth of the matter is I'm truly trying to do the play, but of course I'm going to do that through the lens of contemporary artists and I'm creating it for a contemporary audience. So it's always going to be cuts and revisions of some sort to, to the text to make to make that um, story clear for a contemporary audience. It's just that with these plays, it's a lot more drastic, right? Because we've taken hours and hours, uh, you know, 10 hours of material and made it four, right? Um, four and a half, five, really, to be honest. Um, um, so, of course, it's, it's much more drastic, but the process is exactly the same as when I direct any Shakespeare play, honestly. So what ex excites and resonates with each of you personally about this production and this adaptation? Um, I would say, this is Kate, I would say for me, um, one of the things that was always exciting to me about these stories, these plays, is that, um, and this may be a little different for your audience because I know your audience um, maybe is more familiar with the Henry VI plays than most Shakespeare audiences are because they're not just they're just not done that often. Um, but you have these particularly you have these two characters, Margaret and young uh, Richard, Richard uh, Duke of Gloucester, who then becomes Richard the Third. And it, it it was so interesting to me to follow the journey of those two characters because everybody knows those characters from Richard the Third. But you get to see in these plays, you get to see how those characters became who they are in Richard III. I mean, a lot of people don't really understand who Margaret is in that play, in Richard III. It's just this grumbling woman who's like hanging around on the edges of the play. And what, what is she talking about? Well, you see all the specifics of that as you watch her journey through the Henry Sixes. And that was really fascinating to me. And then, of course, the idea of this man in Richard III getting to watch him as a young man become that character so that at the end of our adaptation, you see him saying what his plan is. So you're really set up for the next part of that journey. So even though we didn't go into this our, this adaptation with the idea of doing Richard III right away, it was kind of always in our head that that's the next story and that people are aware of that as they're watching this. Uh, this is Betsy. I think for me, I, I would, of course, echo everything that Kate just said. One of the things that stands out to me when I think about this production uh, in in creating the last production that we did, and I believe that a lot of this is going to carry over into this production, but the, the, the production vocabulary, particularly in terms of movement, is this incredibly dynamic mishmash of taiko, drumming, uh, highly intricate movement choreography, and then um, very real stage combat, hand-to-hand -hand stage combat and, and, and weaponry. Uh, and in that, in that 
production, I played Henry, and Henry is really a spectator, or in that production was a spectator. So I was in a very unique position of being on stage, but actually getting to watch almost like an audience member so much of these amazing, so much of this amazing movement and fight, and it it just took my breath away. And I'm so excited for audiences to get to see this because it's it's its own beast, and it's really, really quite amazing to watch. Um, and this is Rosa, and I think a ditto to everything they uh, they just both said. And and I think I would add that um, what really excites me is 16 women taking on these plays um, and getting the opportunity um, to work with each other, which is something that women in these plays, they might work with two or three other women or maybe even five or six, but when will they have worked with 15 other women on a classical play? Um, and so what's really exciting for me is what that experience might be for an audience, but also just personally as an artist, what that experience I know is like to be in a, in a rehearsal hall with um, uh, women and non-binary folk working together because the space is quite different. And I know that doing this work with Upstart Crow changed um, who I am as a director and how I work as a director. And uh, I'm really excited to, I, I'm always excited to go into that particular space because it is very special. With this all-female and uh, gender non-binary cast, how will you be approaching gender within the production? So we don't um, change the gender of the characters. We keep the place within the patriarchal world in which they were created because that for us is part of what we are subverting and what we're examining, right? So in order to do that, what we, what we think is interesting is taking a single um, gender and putting it in, uh, into that world, but the, at the women and non-binary folk will play the characters as written, male or female. One of the ways in which we approach playing gender, uh, an opposite gender or a gender uh, not un uh, different from one's own, is that we, we often say we're not playing in drag. We don't pad people. Um, uh, so if it was male uh, to female, if you're looking, let me start that over. Um, we don't change the gender of the characters, and we don't hide the female form on stage. We So we don't add mustaches. In general, we don't wig. Um, we don't add facial hair. We wear our hair long or short, regardless of whether the character is male or female. So those kinds of, uh, we don't operate with those kinds of signifiers. What we do do is we put women in gowns and we put men in trousers, so that becomes a very simple, iconic way of, of uh, signifying gender on stage. But what's interesting to us is examining the patriarchal binary uh, gender norms of the world um, by putting a whole bunch of female bodies on stage also, and non-binary bodies on stage, so that what often people tell us watching is that, is that they forget 
that it's one gender, that it's a bunch of women. They just start watching character. And I think that goes to the heart of what our our approach is, is that we are really interested in playing character truthfully on stage, um, regardless of, of your gender and, um, and not trying to play act at being male, and um, but really getting to the truth of character. So people will forget that it's all women until some line or something will make them suddenly aware that this is a bunch of women on stage. And that sort of disruption of how of our um, normal ways of viewing gender is something that I think is really interesting in this work. It makes us question our assumptions. It suddenly disrupts our how we view gender. Because I think that we like to think that we don't live in such a patriarchal world. And of course, I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't think we did. Beautiful. Do you have, do you all have time for one more question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Why this play at this theater at this time? Or these plays? <laughs> these plays are about us as a society today. These plays are so relevant to what is going on in the United States today. These plays are about deep factionalization and hatred between uh, in a polarized society, and it is about a massive civil war that is um, brought about by um, people who are cynically pursuing power personally for themselves. That speaks very much to what we think is going on in uh, um, the United States today. So that's why this play uh, now. I would say one of the things about why OSF is that you have this incredible company of actors and to um, for us to have the opportunity to come in and, and work with that company and for your actors in your company who may not have had an opportunity before to work together on one of these plays is a great sort of synergy of what we do and what your company is one of the strengths of your company. Beautiful. Well, Rosa, Kate, Betsy, thank you so much for taking this time. Thank you. Thank you. I cannot wait to see how bring down the house next year. We're equally, equally thrilled and excited. <laughs> we can't quite believe that our little company is coming to OSF. Um, it's, uh, I know it sounds corny, but it really is a dream for us. It really, really is. So we're looking forward to it so much. Well, it's a dream whenever we get to work with you, Rosa, and now to have the the blessing of Kate and Betsy in the equation. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You Take too. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's it today for The Rep. Check out the rest of this series for more exciting interviews on our 2020 season. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OSF Ashland.